Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. <laughs> I'm your co-host Arturo Surita, and joining me because the power of Christ does not compel him to watch The Exorcist because he heard the worst reviews possible. <laughs> he decided to, to just save grace. He stayed at home. Well, actually, he didn't stay at home. He went to New York to watch much better movies yeah. than the new Exorcist movie that is a trilogy and there's nothing more horror, nor horrible, than having to be uh, at the beginning of a two-hour trilogy of movies that they paid half right. a billion dollars for. That, dude, it is it is worse than you can imagine. I, I yeah. know you're not a big horror fan. That's the first thing, right. And I'm also not a particularly big fan of David Gordon Green's takes on classic horror franchises. Look, I don't hate him, but he's getting annoying. <laughs> we're going to be talking about that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of other film festival stuff, other movies that have been out here on Weekend Must Watch. Uh, how has your New York been going, though? Because I know that uh, you're on your second week. I think you have like three more screenings left. Yeah, I mean, this is getting to the, the slow part of the festival. This is like the part where like last year you left New York because the screenings started slowing down and stuff. So I've seen I mean, like... The coffee festival just happened, so I, that's <laughs> how I know I'm like, it's about that time. That's your natural point. That's <laughs> You leave the city, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I've seen, like, the meat of the festival. So basically, uh, most of the things that I was really, really excited for, I've, I've had a chance to screen, and most of them have lived up to that excitement. You know, uh, I think while I really, really enjoyed TIFF this year, I was maybe missing a couple of those, like, top-tier, like, stuff that we I really them. loved. We saved yeah. them because we knew we'd be getting them at later festivals. And yeah. uh, luckily I was able to catch up with some really good ones, see some ones that weren't at TIFF that are really good. And uh, we'll we'll get into all that on a, a separate New York Film Fest recap that we'll stream. But uh, mm -hmm. a lot of movies that people can see locally now uh, that maybe aren't quite up to the level of uh, <laughs> the say, Lincoln yeah. Center. Yeah. You know, sometimes we question, uh, is this really a weekend must watch when you <laughs> must probably stay at home for a couple of these? There's a slew of movies that are out and we have to begin with the one that obviously is bringing back a franchise that is over 50 years old. And I went back, you know, I did my due diligence and I went back to go see the original um, Exorcist movie. Because there's a slew of them. We were on uh, our Patreon hangout, and they were letting me know, make sure you watch three. I'm like, three? And they're like, don't forget the prequel. I'm like, the prequel? Bro, this franchise is so crazy, and I hate calling it a franchise, because The Exorcist really is a classic movie, right? right. And it got, like, you know, to use the words that the demon would say, hoard out into yeah. all of these different installments. Like, You're not a fan you... of, like, the Jaws franchise? To me, it ends at Jaws. It's exactly. Yeah. It would be like one of those where it's like we all hold that original so high and mm -hmm. maybe one or two sequels kind of stand out. But like you ignore those. Everyone yeah. loves this one movie. This is the one that gets replayed in theaters for like those $5 Tuesdays, not the rest. Dude, this franchise is so weird. Uh, I've heard people say good things about three. Do you know about this little uh, twofer here about Exorcist Beginning and Exorcist Dominion where no. they, hired, <laughs> they hired the boy, Paul Schrader, to make a prequel movie? He turned it in. They said it was the most boring thing they've ever received. <laughs> they recut it up. What a goat. Released this version that was action-packed. It bombed. They, <laughs> they rehired him. And then had him release this. This is the type of sequels that we're dealing with with The Ugh, Exorcist. They yikes. all tend to be kind of cursed. And uh, we've been cursed with three of these. Uh, the Exorcist Believer, The Exorcist Deceiver, and then The Exorcist Deceiver sequel. 
You said you don't like David Gordon Green. Can you specify what is it exactly? Were you a fan of him early on in his? I like, was. Yeah, I mean, he's comedy. Look, th- there's sort of been like a a common refrain going around on like film Twitter over the past couple of weeks that this dude's just got the the craziest filmography. It is so all over the place from crazy. like these these like these really low key indie dramas, these big studio comedies, these random prestige dramas thrown in there. And then his more recent foray into adapting classic horror franchises for the modern day. Um, The thing about him is like, I don't know if there's a distinct quality that I can put that crosses over his various films. He is a little bit chameleonic. He, he, you know, adapts to the different stories he tries to tell. I I just know a bad way. I don't know. Sometimes I like to see a little bit of my director's personality, but I think there's also room to be kind of adaptable. I just wish that there was a little more there. Like I, I just didn't, I don't think I found the same things about Halloween interesting as he did. Like there, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, what was it? The second one I think had some interesting ideas around mob mentality before it kind of gets diverted as well. But for the most part, I was just not into the like, you know, dredging up of old ideas and, and, and I don't know. It's also cause I, I had less interest in that franchise for, for this it just feels like he's doubling down on a lot of, you know, the the more um, upsetting aspects of watching a exorcism type movie and not necessarily getting to yeah. the unsettling core of it. But I didn't see it. You're the one who actually went to the movie theater and, and dealt uh, with nearly two hours of Exorcist it's Believer. Kind of disgusting. And to take what you said, he'll double down on a lot of those franchise tropes that he's kind of become like the corporate man for, which is really mm-hmm. weird. But then that mob mentality, mob mentality thing that you mentioned, Halloween Kills. Mm-hmm. It's like he heard the flack for it for the people who didn't like it. And he goes, okay, how about if I did mob mentality good? <laughs> he, look, you, it, it has to be brought up that he also co-writes these with um, your boy who you really Danny love McBride. the series. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Look, we're not against the idea of a comedy writer doing horror. We love Jordan Peele. How mm-hmm. the original Exorcist was a comedy writer who couldn't get it, so he did a horror script, and boom, you got a classic. But for a man who covered, what, three seasons now of religion in a satirical mm-hmm. per- kind of parody way over on HBO with, uh, what's the Righteous Gemstones. What is he doing here? This takes everything that made the first movie so great. And throws it out the window. Like, you have to at least meet the movie halfway with The Exorcist being a very Catholic movie about mm-hmm. Catholic priests exercising a Catholic ritual, a Catholic demon. Like, it all falls into play. And this movie is trying to, like, <laughs> I-, I know there's a lot of baggage with this, but Last Jedi in the worst way possible. That it doesn't matter what kind of demon it is. You can get a witch doctor. You can get a Pentecostal priest. Yeah. You can get anybody to come in as long as you've prayed. In some capacity, if you believe in a higher being, you're technically all connected. Look, with everything that's going on in the world, I would hate to see David Gordon Green's opinion on world events thinking, why don't we just all get along? The pitch in this movie is ridiculous because it's a continuation of what happened in the original, which I highly recommend. You can watch that movie several times, the original Exorcist, and pick up on so many different things. This feels like what people complain about um, with Watchmen. That Zack Snyder read the comic book and he said, ooh, cool images and forgot all of the subtext of it because so much of this movie is just imitating shots from the original. So much of this is kind of just updating it 
for no reason where you have um, the two new main girls who are friends, but they're not really friends. The, right. the movie does this a lot. It's supposed to be a new demon, but then you're bringing back an original actress in Burston to come mm -hmm. back and say, I remember you, demon. It's like, did, did, did she forget this is supposed to be a different one? The movie is very much all over the place. I'm sure you've heard that they've called this like a very uh, pro-life movie. I'm here to <laughs> yeah, tell you... Well no, yeah. this is trying to be that, and then it flakes out, and that's even more annoying, right? I think you and I get more annoyed with a movie that's pretending to say something but isn't really saying Absolutely. anything at all. Yeah, David Ehrlich, I think, published one of the early reviews, and he said that it, it's it got an anti-abortion message, and then I saw a lot of people being like, I don't really think you read the movie correctly. <laughs> Bro, he's a goofy... Like, first of all, right, it's simple math. We just said Danny McBride has been making fun of religion for the longest yeah. time. Like, it's not that hard to see the IMDb trivia. When you watch the movie, it's just goofy the way they try to use that as a almost twist in mm -hmm. terms of this being a movie about how do you get someone who has no faith to become a believer? Is it their choice? And these Exorcist movies can be pretty funny because it's like, <laughs> what choice do you really have when your daughter looks like that? Um, <laughs> the whole cast in here, you know, I don't think compares to the original. Um, you could say it's because of the direction. You could also say it's because of the script. Mm. The two girls do as much as they possibly can with the story that they have. But as much as I love Leslie Odom Jr., man... Um, my man looked bored in the movie. Hmm. He did not look like he was giving it his all. It felt like he had a rent a child. Like he did not care for this girl turning into different things. When it comes to the horror, a lot of it is pretty standard. And just that idea that he keeps getting the director, these big franchises that obviously you're going to get scrutinized when it's 50 years old in their classics, but even more so when you get the ability to bring back a legacy actress, like people are going to mm -hmm. be like, why you, you know? And yeah. I don't think they use her at all. There is something that they do with her character. You sit with me in theaters, bro. Yeah. Sometimes I'll huff, sometimes I'll puff, but I'm not usually that audible. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad, bro. It is a disgrace. It is a disservice. The The act of making this movie is blasphemous, in my opinion. Uh, William Friedkin, rest in peace. I feel mm. left the moment they dropped the trailer to this one. And I'm glad that he wasn't here to see it because uh, there's that quote going around that he told a critic that he was going to be rolling in his grave. <laughs> that the guy who made Pineapple Express was touching his, his series. And I, I kid you not, I've been going back and seeing so much of how he made that original, dude. Fantastic stuff. I want to make a whole video just on that. And I swear you could make a video of William Friedkin reviewing this new movie because everything they do here is everything he said he didn't want to do in the original. CGI smoke. Head twists where they don't need to be. Hell, there is a moment in this movie where a character, bless her soul, endowed, man. Yeah. Just tells you the whole purpose of the movie. Uh. And that was a whole big thing about the original Exorcist that he cut out all of those uh, exposition sequences. This whole movie is the antithesis of what the first Exorcist was. It's not terrible if you don't care about the original. But, like, what's the point if that's what you're continuing on? I, I got nothing else to say, Zach. I heard they also reuse a lot of lines from the original Exorcist in ways that feel very ham-fisted. It, it, it just seems like the, the worst kind of, you know, dredging up of the past. Um I, like I there's know, a man. moment in the original when uh, someone uh, boxes. Mm. So here, Leslie Odom Jr., a photographer, boxes. 
Like, you, why? <laughs> That's the movie that you're dealing with here. I, I had really high expectations because I don't hate the guy. I, yeah. He did interesting things with Halloween. I know you're never going to please people, but this is just, like, so by the numbers, bland, and the worst thing that it could possibly be, boring. So if you're excited for Exorcist Believer, uh, you've been deceived. Uh, you still have you, two more in the horizon. I don't think they're going to help fix this one. But yeah, do you think there's a world in which maybe we don't have two more? Like, is this such a false they paid start? Four hundred mil, bro. They they did, but like, are they going to have to start fresh? Because it's not like it lit the box office on fire. It Absolutely could, not. It, you know, made 26 domestically over the weekend. But uh -huh. based on the word of mouth, I would anticipate that number is going to drop a lot, especially when we consider what's about to come out in theaters, which we'll get into in a oh, little yeah. bit. That's going to be completely different. Uh, I, I think my biggest thing that stands out to me is the idea that um, this is Blumhouse. And yeah. and I, I look, I follow Blumhouse business wise. We both know that the joke is he gives you a pack of gum, right, for your budget. And because it's so low, he's always finding, like, profit. Because they dropped 400 mil, he's doing it the opposite of the Blumhouse model. Mm -hmm. And I'd be scared, bro, because this is not going to make it back. No. Um, and pissing off a fran uh, pissing off people this early who love the franchise is not a good start. Because at least the first Halloween remake, the 2018 one, did have some fans kind of, you know, appreciating it. I don't know, bro. It's really bad. <laughs> to put it bl bluntly, I have no faith in the rest yeah. of them, but we'll see. Maybe it just needs a different director. Yeah. And cast uh, and script and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they could always bring in Tony Gilroy and Rogue One it or something, right? Something like that, dude. But what, what is funny is that besides The Exorcist, there is actually a William Friedkin movie out that is not in theaters, sadly. Um but also shouldn't probably be because this is the last movie that William Friedkin made, the original director of The Exorcist, right before he passed. And it is out on Paramount Plus, Showtime. It's got one of those weird kind of releases because Paramount doesn't doesn't know how to push their movies. Yeah. Um, it does feel a lot like a TV movie. I will say that. But it also is one of those movies where it's breaking down or, or doing like a reboot take on this old kind of mutiny story, a court-like mm -hmm. drama about um, – a bunch of uh, mil military army people and yeah. whether the person who they're trying to say uh, caused the mutiny or whether they were right to do so. Uh, so it's a very talky movie. The yeah, big thing about drama this, yeah, it's courtroom thing. drama. But boy, is it look like a TV movie. Um, mm -hmm. And the performances are very stilted, but they're all really good actors. Mm. So it's one of those where it's like, yes, it's its final movie, but I don't think this would have done good in theaters. This yeah. definitely needed to be at home. Um, I'm very curious to see the other ones because, look, I did not realize that the Mutantyverse was this big. So uh, I have not done my due, dil due, dil <laughs> yeah, due diligence there, but I'd be curious to see a better version of this. Yeah, one of them was directed by Robert Altman. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at this right here. I'm like, I'm yeah. sure this is the one that holds it high. But, yeah. look, it's an interesting concept, um, and it does. It, have, it has a really big cast. So if you're interested in all the people involved here, they do really good stuff. Jason Clark is literally just in his bag of interrogating people in court. <laughs> That's all he's doing in 2023. Um, but if you're curious in this one uh, and wanted to see a William Friedkin movie instead of the bastardization that they did with Exorcist, <laughs> go ahead and check that one out. The one that you did catch, you stayed at home, you don't like horrors, but I know you like horror comedies. You give those yeah. a little bit of a try. Tell me what you thought about this one on Amazon Prime. Totally killer. Uh, totally killer. A, a pretty interesting mashup of genres because it is a, a movie about a 
serial killer coming to kill a bunch of teenagers around prom time, but it is also a time travel movie because this movie features uh, Kiernan Shipka's character traveling back to when her mom was 17 years old and her friends were all uh, terrorized by the sweet 16 killer. Uh, so yeah. it, it's kind of got a couple things going on at once. It feels kind of very like a happy death day core or something Thank like you. that. Yeah. yeah. We're fans of that. We are, we are. And you know, I don't know if it's necessarily quite that uh, level of like blending of, of genres and uh, making it fun, but also leaning into the tropes of, of horror. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it gets pretty close and it's pretty entertaining. I, I didn't have a bad time with this one. Uh, Shipka is really fun in the lead role, kind of balancing uh, the whole, the whole like urgency of the situation with trying to explain it. Uh, there's a bunch of fun uh, other actors that I, I like in this film. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Liana Liberato. Uh, who, yeah, surprisingly uh, with a much, uh, uh, like, a, a side character. We've been rooting for her to be in a lot more, uh, like, feature films as a lead. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll, we'll take what we can get. Exactly, right? Uh, but, it, you know, I think it, it's got a fun, like, sense of place. It's a fun sense of humor. It's pretty entertaining, and it's not, like, it doesn't skimp out, I think, on the story. So I, I think it's a good... Uh, streaming release like this is to me this is like the upper tier of that kind of like straight to amazon prime kind of the deal that you get i agree there there's moments in there with the time travel that it, it, it kind of comes off a little corny but i think a lot of the comedy that uh what's your name i always call her real teenage witch Tiernan <laughs> brings into yeah. it like they'll there'll be these little like goofy walks that she does that that are super awkward but she makes it work uh, especially because it's got that Back to the Future bit where it's like she's hanging out with her mom a lot, but mm-hmm. the mom doesn't know that that's her that's her daughter. Obviously, she thinks she's like a psychic. Um, I think the killer story is pretty interesting for what they bring into play with it because it's like a so, you know there's podcasters involved. There's also like a, a lot of grudges because of people who grew up in this small town. Mm-hmm. Um, and also comparing it to another one, I don't know if you caught VHS eighty five, another movie nope. dealing with horror in the eighties. At least this one has a lot more fun with it. Like, this is a mm-hmm. movie that is taking into account the differences between the 2000s to this. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite running gags in this one would be the fact that she just goes into the school and they give her a schedule. She's like, <laughs> you're not going to say anything about this. And it's like a continual thing where she realizes nobody cared in the 80s. Yep. Um, whereas something like VHS 85 kind of, it, it feels like people who grew up in the 80s and, and are like thinking back on it and mm-hmm. pretending to have taken place during that time. Um, yeah, so between the two horror movies that are out, I think this one handles it a lot better, even though VHS 85 comes from a lot of really good directors. I don't know if you've ever yeah. been a fan of the series, but like when you have Scott Derrickson, David Bruckner, David Bruckner specifically because I thought The Night House was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I used to be a really big fan of this franchise, and it's been slowly deteriorating for me. Mm-hmm. And it's bad because I can't even say this is the worst one. I'm just not impressed anymore. Yeah. It's become more of like a gimmick. Um, this one is out on Shutter. It's, again, doing the same thing that all the previous ones have done and where they're, it's an amalgamation of a bunch of different stories. Sometimes they tie in, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they are forced to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, between these two 1980s uh, horror movies, I would definitely go with Totally Killer. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the, those, like, anthology films, particularly the ones that 
take material from a bunch of different directors is that like some directors come ready to play and come with something really cool and some are, are kind of just going through the motions and fulfilling their obligation right so I feel like yeah. consistency of quality has always been an issue in any kind of like anthology short film uh, feature where there's multiple directors involved it also just feels not a grift but it feels like a like a bit, you know, like they know they can't yeah. get feature films, so they're just kind of like submit something so that we could add a sponsor on it type stuff. <laughs> like there's no they're not really that cohesive anymore. It just feels mm-hmm. like they need to turn something in for Shutter because they've locked down this massive deal. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It kind of feels like if you need a, a a side job, this has become a series where it's directors doing side jobs. Yeah. And I don't know. That kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, in theory, there could be a really cool version where directors yeah. are like trying out the ideas that they don't know if they could sustain for a full feature or experimenting with stuff. Or, you know, you look at it even like Grindhouse and all the, the features that have spawned off of uh, the shorts from there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, you have that that requires directors really bringing their best stuff. The difference is also, like, the first one, I think, had a, uh, a much better display of, like, here are people who are really starting. I think it should be more yeah. of a starting point than trying to, thing. like, give a, yeah, give a lot of money to somebody who you just want to see them make a short. I'm like, but they're not going to put all their effort into it. Or, I don't even want to say it's, like, an effort thing. It just hasn't been hitting. Like, I, I thought the first one was fantastic. And since mm-hmm. then, they've kind of gone a little bit down. But there you go. Who would have thought? Six VHS movies. But the one I got to pick is Totally Killer. Over nice. on Amazon Prime. Uh, the last two things that we have over here, uh, you were telling me about Strange Way of Life. I and was. And you got to see it at the New York Film Festival. I think they just played that by itself, or you got to talk with him? Uh, no, it was just that by itself. You got to see him, though. He was with you he at was, the uh, Irishman premiere. Yeah, he, uh, he was walking down the street past the Director's Guild, so I, yeah. I did clock Almodovar. Um, but yeah, you, you caught up with Strange Way of Life as well. I needed a cleansing after Exorcist. I, I looked at the schedule right here. I'm like, oh, okay, we got we got this playing in the theater next door. I went there. I caught this first one because they're playing it with his uh, other one that we were mentioning uh, with Tilda Swinton. So they human play voice. the first, yeah, first thirty minutes, and then right afterwards they cut to human voice. But it was terrible, bro. Like they the credits rolled, Sony logo comes back up, and then the human voice is completely crapped. I'm like, bro, I'm just gonna go watch this home at Mo- <laughs> on movie if I wanted to. Terrible release there. I don't know if that happened to everybody who's been watching this, but I do find it really goofy to pay a whole ticket for like an hour long screening. I guess. I if mean, I that. guess like a if that right. Um, yeah. Look, uh, AMC was combining them together. I think in a little bit this is going to be out digitally anyway. But I hear what you're saying about it being produced by a fashion company. Saint Laurent. But they look slick, dude. They do. That's the thing. I mean, they probably look too slick to be these kind of like Wild West cowboys. I I love Wild West cowboys. (laughs) So maybe that's why. Well, his green jacket, bro. Well groomed. I was about to say the green jacket is beautiful. Obviously, he's got the the iconic uh, scarf. Yeah, yeah. Everybody looks great in this movie. Uh, I, I did notice. I clocked in the credits that there was a lot of people who are also. Almodovar, I don't know how they are related to him, so it very much hmm. seemed like a family project, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that he is also gay. So this being like a very yeah. much gay-centric story between two men uh, who have had their own lives, you know, they have children, who then are reunited as they reminisce on the past. Uh, I think you had called it, you had a Brokeback. Bit. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is sort of like uh, Cliff Notes Brokeback, right? Kind of like that. 
Um, I'd seen someone else that said it. I thought it was you. Someone else had, had made like a pun about it with it being like the Western version. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, as an exercise and given and being given money by a big brand to make a chart, yeah. this is great. Uh, again, kind of like the VHS ones. This is something where it's like a lot of people can see this and be like, oh, it's a very interesting short. I think you mm-hmm. and I can kind of see like this is the best version of being given money to make a commercial yeah. that you were still able to make a narrative out of it. I think we are fully in that world. You know, we live in the Barbie. We're, we're living in a Barbie world at this point mm-hmm. in time where that is both IP, but then now an original screenplay that's going to be up in in contention. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're writing that line of uh, adding narrative to a commercial has become the new original story because somebody yeah. has to fund it, I guess. And we're right. not like other... I mean, I don't even know if he applies to that because... What where is what country is this? I mean, is it? I don't know because it, it's it, Spain. I, I don't know how Spain yeah. does their stuff over there, but yeah. like, I, I get it in America because you're not going to make a movie unless someone's funding it, and it ain't going to be right. the government. Um, but I don't know. This just reminds me a lot of when we uh, when we're at TIFF and we see that uh, what's the commercial everybody clap for? The Bulgari ad with Zendaya and and Hathaway. Because it literally says it's a film by Paolo. Zendaya, yeah. Right. So it's like yeah, it's exactly. already. It's already trying to pretend like it's not a commercial, but a right. film. So this <laughs> right. is like, the best version of that. The great directors have been working with fashion brands for a long time. And sometimes it is just on commercials. But if they can use that funding to fund uh, their stories and, and fund different types of narratives, that's kind of cool. And, so be it, you know, right? This one is super, super streamlined in a way that maybe like you know, doesn't give you the full Amadovar experience, but it's still like, it feels like the worlds that he creates, particularly when you talk about like the colors, you know, like it's a good match of, it's a good match for him because he is a director who makes these really vibrant films. So he's able to utilize St. Laurent in that way. You know, does it, the story maybe feel a bit lacking? Sure. It's like 12 minutes long, but like, <laughs> it's, it, it's also like, it, it's a chance to like live in the world that uh, a director like Pedro Almodovar yeah. can uh, only can, a director like him can create. And it, I feel the same way when I watch some of the Wes Anderson shorts, less so the Netflix mm. stuff, but more so the, the stuff that he's done for, I think it's like Gucci. He did Castello Cavalcanti, and there's that H and M ad that he did, which is like a beautiful little Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like sometimes you can use the use those uh, endorsements to make some no, beautiful art. One. I think Wes is one of the best ones of being able to take a commercial and also. And Spike has done some too. No, Spike yeah. Jones. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So it's not bad. It's just I, I I see that trend growing even more. It's always been there, but it's like it's becoming more apparent, especially when you have a theatrical release. That's just insane to me. Like a nationwide theatrical release for a short. Yeah. Um, I, I see Josh already said that it is out on digital. <laughs> you know, if you want to see it in theaters, I guess the colors really pop. But yeah. yeah. Uh, for a whole check-in or $15? Probably not. <laughs> uh, you are a big soccer fan, though. So yeah. I know that while you had caught this one, you did catch a couple of episodes. I caught one episode. Nice. And then the memes that were coming out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the new Beckham series on Netflix, tell me. Yeah, so I've only caught the first two of what are four episodes of the uh, limited series Beckham over on Netflix. And uh, it provides a in-depth look into the life of the iconic uh, soccer player, fashion mogul. I, I don't know if he qualifies spice as a husband. mogul. He's, yeah, sp- Spice Husband, for sure. Uh, the the, the sport, the sportier Spice or the less sport? I don't know. Uh, but yeah. The other uh, one goes faster. <laughs> um, you know, 
obviously we are in an era where there is just like a a plethora of these types of uh, in-depth looks into uh, different athletes or iconic entertainers. You know, the documentary industry is, is rife with this style of thing. And, and sometimes the, the breadth of a documentary like this is good because it allows you the ability to do deep dives on different mm -hmm. eras of a person's life. And sometimes it's a, it's a little bit indulgent. And I think there's times where it, it feels both in this too, because Beckham has, Beckham is a guy who has had a long enough career that there are different phases that are all interesting enough to merit their own deep dive. There yeah. are, aspects though of watching this where it f there does feel like a resistance to really get super deep uh, I don't know if it's because Beckham is not a guy who is used to this type of like introspective analysis both he and and his wife Victoria Posh Spice uh, talk about how like they've repress these memories for so long that they don't know how to talk about them. There, there's several yeah. times where he's kind of like, yeah, I don't know what to say. And it, it's it, the thing that is at least helpful about it is that they have so many good interviews and sometimes the most insightful people are not David himself or Victoria, but like his teammates or his coaches or, or like the staff receptionist at Manchester United. And some of that stuff is really cool. Um, I also really liked the, uh, use of the Interatron. That's the like famous Errol Morris technology where the documentary subject is able to look directly into the camera. They basically do like a teleprompter thing where okay. they project the image and they, they use the, the Interatron uh, to show uh, a bunch of uh, players and coaches old footage of games in the past. So you see them like watching and their faces react and, and for a guy like David Beckham, who I feel like maybe struggles to articulate everything he's feeling, getting just like his instant reaction to watching old videos in extreme close-up, I thought was some of the most effective stuff in the documentary. Like he he's expressive in a way that he just like, you know, uh, re as a reaction that he is not as expressive in an interview. Um, so there, there are insightful aspects to it. I still think there's like moments where it felt like it could have gotten deeper. I'm curious to see what the next two, uh, final two, I guess, episodes have in store, but you know, for people who are interested in his life and want to know more, I definitely think it's a useful, uh, documentary with a lot of like valuable behind the scenes stuff, uh, included. There's so, so much archival video being shown. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, isn't he in another Netflix documentary that's going to come out? I feel like is there's... He? Does yeah, he just have like, that Netflix deal? Yeah, like they announced Beckham and then they're like, oh yeah, and then there's another one coming out. I don't have it on me at the <laughs> moment, but uh, watch. Like in a week or two, there, there's something else that's still on the horizon. It could <laughs> be Pasha's. I have no idea, but yeah. No, it, it looked pretty interesting. Uh, I, I know at the beginning from the first episode I saw, he's like, my dad... He got, or his dad or his grandpa, he's like, they got everything. So then he's got yeah. all these archives of uh, every single moment in his career coming up. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm not, I'm not calling him anything when he was young. Mama had a glow up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I, I, there's also a lot to be attributed to just how bad that like early nineties fashion was. Like I once guess. he started, once he got with uh posh and they started like actually 
paying attention to it his hair and stuff. It, it had got to a lot been, better. Because like even right now, Kurt, like like in his teens and in his twenties, you look at him, you're like, cut to him right now in the present because he looks slick in the present. <laughs> yeah. When he opens that door. Yeah. Yeah. So good on him. Uh, it makes sense, you know. Netflix is the way to go for a lot of these people to make yeah. their uh, c- kind of just telling their stories so that they have the the authorship of how it's being told on their budget. So that's all the stuff that we had this week. For next week, it's pretty blank as we look forward to the week. We only got one. The one and only Taylor Swift coming out. If she's not in an NFL game, it's because she's going to be in a theater near you. No AMC stub. No Regal club. I, I forget the Regal one. No Cinemark. No Marcus Theaters. They don't even have one. Nothing can get you a free ticket to this. You need mm-hmm. to pay out of pocket. And you need to pay soon because at least near me, they've all been sold out. Not just yeah. the IMAXs. Like the rinky-dink theater in the back is completely full. All they've left is the handicap seats. Like you got a BYOB for this, bro. They're, mm-hmm. they're like the whole. I thought it was going to be one day. The whole weekend has been booked for this. Yeah, and look, if it's going to be this successful, it's going to be several weekends, right? They're, the theaters are not you going think? to... I, I would not be surprised like to see this. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is probably going to be one of the highest grossing films of the year. Didn't they and, say they already did Endgame pre-sales? Something like that, right? Like... And and particularly because she was able to strike this deal exclusive or like directly with the theaters, you know, Damn. I don't see any reason to to not be able to continue that relationship. It's going to be very fascinating just from an uh, industry standpoint to see like how well this one does, uh, how long they try to keep this one in the theaters, particularly those big IMAX screens. Uh, we also got recently the announcement of the Beyonce concert, the Beyonce concert uh, yeah. mo- movie one. Are are, are we going to get like several weeks of Taylor Swift leading into several weeks of Beyonce at the box office? I, I don't know, but uh, it, it could be a thing that shapes the the live event uh, film scape for, for a little while. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of people try to follow this model. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious, right? I'm, uh, I'm always excited to see how they capture the performances because obviously nothing's going to replace being at the show, but there's always mm-hmm. something special. You know, you could go to a sporting event, but I also love just being able to see the pitch count and everything. So how they direct it, uh, maybe even getting some insights to it because this is a whopping two hours and 43 minutes. I know her yeah. show is long. So, like, I'm pretty sure it could just be a recording of the show. I think but that's it'd be what cool. it is. Yeah. It'd be cool to see some some insights and something some else, you know. behind the scenes, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'll be curious to compare this one with the Beyonce one. That'll be, you know, very fun to talk about in terms of box office and everything else. But just as films in general, do you have any uh, concert films that stand out? I know we recently got the... With the IMAX release for yeah, first stop making sense. Obviously, um, honestly, I know we were just talking about Beyonce, but her last one, Homecoming, on Netflix was was pretty incredible. That's a uh, good one. Yeah, yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, we are going to talk about Martin Scorsese in a little bit. Uh, he's obviously uh, the guy who's a guy who's done several uh, music documentaries and a couple concert films, most notably The Last Waltz, uh, that mm-hmm. one with the, the band, uh, which another one worth pointing out. But yeah, I mean, I can't say that I necessarily watch them too often oh you know what what's one that just comes to mind is the um lcd sound system shut up and play the hits the their retirement tour concert before they unretired that's a great one nice i'm gonna go with justin bieber's never say never <laughs> uh and the one direction one. <laughs> oh, you just that... love you just love uh cute boy sung, singing groups or, that's what or, it is i also yeah, think that they're both acts. directed by uh in the heights if i'm not mistaken 
John, no, is it John Chu? No, I have no, I can't even remember. Let me I'll have to search him up. But uh, I, I'm curious for it. I think it's a very interesting genre to be able to have out there. It spices things up. I think you're able to bring more people to the theater. So I'm curious how that uh, that plays out for theaters next week. Because other than that, there is absolutely nothing. So. We move on to the upcoming and news of the week, one of which we were learning even more about. I'll let you take this one away because a writer strike ended just for another strike to begin here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty interesting uh, development for a couple of reasons. Paramount, as part of a move to uh, tease the upcoming Mean Girls musical release on Paramount Plus, uh, and also in celebration. It's Paramount Plus? I believe so. maybe it is theaters. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Okay, um, but I, I have heard about that that they're taking the Broadway musical and adapting it. Yeah. Um, so partly to do that, and partly also just to celebrate uh, Mean Girls Day on Shut up. O- <laughs> Shut up. on October third, they released the original Mean Girls film in 23 parts on TikTok. A lot of people who are in the Writers Guild or Writers Guild adjacent did notice though that this is a tricky move because the by the because of the length of these clips they technically qualify under a certain uh like a talk show clip subsection of the Writers Guild contracts which means they're not owed residuals for playing those clips so a lot of people viewed this as another way for studios to get around the uh new streaming residuals that have been uh, added to the Writers Guild contracts. I don't know how nefarious of a, of a move you think it is. I just think it's interesting to note that that's like it's an interesting potentially a strategy potential. some people will uh, be looking to, you know, exploit. Yeah, it's the potential of it. I don't know if they did. I mean, I don't like Paramount. So I screw Paramount. So I'm going to say <laughs> yes, 100%. It, they were doing it on purpose. But it's the idea of like everyone's on edge right now and they're looking at what's the loophole that a company could take. You know, it's still promotion. That's been a really big thing right. right now about like, you know, TikToks being reacted to and whether you can copyright them. Are they taking from you if it's on a completely different platform? You know, if people are viewing this, whether it was post, if it wasn't posted up by Paramount and somebody else posted it, they still wouldn't have been getting the money, right? Yeah. Because on TikTok, it's a completely different form of uploads. What is funny to me is that Paramount, if you remember, I always say the story about how they sued YouTube in the early days because they're like, too much of our clips are being posted on YouTube.com. And when they took them to court, it turned out that Paramount had told their own employees to post Family Guy in The Daily Show because it was actually helping (laughs) their stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of behind the scenes when it comes to this. I think it's interesting. I also think it's funny because besides how you and I watch movies in theaters, we have a new Scorsese coming out that's four hours long, or three hours, however long it is, right? Three and a half. We know that the last Scorsese had people making Netflix guides on how to watch it on a day-by-day basis. Mm. Kids today do not care how you consume. They consume differently, and the joke is that they consume it in 23 parts. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're literally catching up on iconic stuff, on series, on mangas, animes, all this stuff through TikTok in bits and pieces, right? Um I've, you know, back in my day, I remember catching movies on YouTube in like a, a section of like 10 different things that were uploaded yeah. while they were still there. It's, I don't know, it's an interesting approach for a studio to kind of chop something up in a way that technically they're only mimicking uh, because people were pirating the content. Mm-hmm. And now this is like an official pirated version of it from the company. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's funny. 
But. It is, but it, it, it is an interesting note because it is the studios trying to meet the consumers where they are, right? Like they see this thing happening outside of their control yeah. and they're trying to steer it in a direction that actually benefits them. So, exactly. you know, uh, I, I don't know, like maybe this is something that we're going to see more of in the future, uh, even though. You know, it may. It, I think where it gets concerning, right, is if we're going to start seeing with this with much newer properties, right? Like, exactly. I don't know how much business Mean Girls is doing, uh, however many years out on TikTok. I mean, you tell me it's got a national day. I expect a, <laughs> a little bit, you know. <laughs> if it's they October third. Sheesh. Okay, stop trying to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to Killers of the Flower Moon on TikTok uh, through Apple's account. But <laughs> let's move. <laughs> How many Quibi's long is Killers of the Flower Moon? Did you see Roku got rid of their entire Quibi collection? Wait, no. Quibi. Where, where can Quibi? I watch Max Landis's canceled show? <laughs> the dull one? Quibi got rid of it all because they were like, we need that, that WB tax cut. And there's, yeah, we're just not going to hold on to it. So they just like, they literally deleted everything. I'm trying to see if I can find where it was. Um yeah, take my word for it. Believe me, Damn. that's my source. Uh, they got rid of all of them uh, so that they wouldn't have to pay residuals to a lot of the people just for hosting them there. And it wasn't making them enough. So Roku's like, we're just going to continue investing in this uh, original properties like the, uh, what's the one that you just caught that you hated? <laughs> uh, wait, which one did I hate? Uh, the one from Tribeca. Because y'all thought the one from TIFF was decent for Roku that uh, Harry Potter oh. was in. Oh, oh, the um, Chelsea Peretti first time female director. One. And that yeah, one, you're yeah, right, you're if right. I'm not mistaken, That's that one got picked up. Roku original. Yeah, so yeah. It, it makes sense there. I'm just worried that that is a new way to consume things in bits and pieces. You, you and I are here promoting three and a half hour movies. <laughs> and doing hour long podcasts. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Other than that, though, let's move on to the next subject that we have, which is a breakdown of the 59th Chicago International Film Festival. Zach is uh, wrapping up New York. And the beautiful thing about this is that if you're not on a coast, you can be right here in the Midwest breaking down some of the best movies. Uh, it's going to be taking place October 11th through the 22nd. So we wanted to do a little preview Kind of breaking down everything that you need to know about the festival. Uh, I've been going to it for about the last decade, I want to say. I remember the first time that I went was when they screened La La Land. Um, and now we we're covering it there as press. And one of the best things about this is that they have a fantastic lineup. So uh, as Zach has been saying, we will go to Toronto. But if we know that something's going to be playing at our home festival, we'll save it. And damn, do they get the hits. So us being in Toronto, we were missing a lot of really big movies, but that's because we were trusting the programmers back home. Uh, one of my favorite things that they pick up a lot here, and we have a whole article for it, is uh, Over a on lot of... theatzshow.com. Yeah, we have... I got the wrong one over here, so technically... <laughs> those are my most anticipated, which we have a list for, but it would be the international submissions. Um, mm. I really like that there's a lot of really big ones, but a majority of the time they do a fantastic job finding movies that have not premiered in the United States. So you'll be able to see like Argentina's pick, you know, pictures of ghosts, which I, I was just able to catch a lot of the things that may end up being the top five movies that are going to get that international spot. Uh, one of the ones that I'm really looking forward to is Totem, which just got announced yeah. as Mexico's pick. And the director's going to be there to talk about it. You had just seen the taste of things and you were telling me, bro, yeah. this should have been Francis. But for every year, France mm -hmm. has like two movies that people are divided on. And you, you said this was the right call. 
I, I personally, I kind of like this one a little bit more than Anatomy of a Fall. I know I'm in the majority <laughs> there, but uh, this this was like a, a warm meal of a movie, uh, pun I guess intended. Yeah, they've got three screenings for this, so I'm, I'm hoping to catch at least one of them. There's no press yep. one yet, but uh, you told me, eat before you go. I'm going to make sure I oh, eat yeah. before I go. And I'm going to make sure I go to the bathroom before I see Perfect Days, the toilet movie that I have heard nothing but praise about from everybody. Yep. And y'all keep telling me it's just a guy cleaning toilets. Yeah, shout um, out to uh, our patron, Connor, who, who saw this at his own local film festival down in Charlotte. And yeah. uh, he's he's a big proponent of uh, the film Patterson, as, bo- as we both are. And he said that this movie might be more Patterson than Pat- Patterson. <laughs> which That's a new phrase? I got to agree. I got to agree. Perfect Days? Yeah. All right. This is yeah. So this is another one I'm really excited for. Uh, Zone of interest and continuing with the international Oscar submissions. I know you just caught this and you told me you were floored by it. So yeah, this one also sold out really fast. So if I had to give other picks for the international stuff, Teachers Lounge. This was one that yes. you and I were able to catch at TIFF. This mm-hmm. one's fantastic. Uh, it's going to be a tight race, but I have this in my top ten out of the yeah. international picks. I- I don't want to like doom this movie to like runner up status, but I could see this being like one that misses the cut and we get really upset about. You know right? what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I, I will say though, there's one I would be upset, but I would be even more upset with this final pick that I have here. Another one yeah. we caught in Toronto that is playing here, and I highly recommend it. We had a press screening today. I didn't go to it, but I almost was. Uh, Four Daughters is an incredible movie, a hybrid documentary that's looking at these. Uh, this mother and her two daughters, and because two of them are missing to complete the four, they cast two actresses to play them, and thus their story is even more impacting because they're not sitting down like a talking head documentary. They're sitting down directing their past memories, bro. It is a fantastic movie. This is definitely one that I think should secure the top five, Uh, but there's a lot of these and more. Like I said, if you go catch... Uh, the article that we have over on the show.com you will see a lot of the picks. Even uh, Godland, this premiered last year. So hmm. forget this year, you might be catching some in Chicago that won't premiere till the following year. Um, like I said, we also have our most anticipated movies, but to give you a, pre- a quick breakdown of how the festival works, uh, Chicago kind of has the theaters all over the place. So one of the main theaters that they're doing right now is the AMC New City, which is really nice theater. It used to be an Arclight. Um, but it's not at the AMC River East. You've been to New City. We went to go see that uh, Crawdads movie there. Uh, <laughs> so you've been there. You know what it's like. There's we took no a recliners. There. Yeah, there's no recliners. Um, but that's because the AMC River East just added recliners, and boy, are they beautiful, bro. Mm. So there's less seats over there, and there's a lot of construction. So the main hub is gone. This is the new hub. But at least the trains go everywhere. So mm. you can go from this new city to the Gene Siskel Film Center, what has become one of my favorite theaters to go to if there's a movie there. A lot of the days that are being scheduled for screenings uh, – I want to do like full out days there. They have comfortable seats. You get to see a lot of the history of him as a critic as well. Uh, Because obviously everybody knows Roger Ebert. But Gene, even with his crazy ideas, crazy (laughs) wacky uh, reviews that I may not agree with, he left a legacy and it's a beautiful theater there. Um, Obviously, we also have the iconic music box, which have you been to? Just outside of, man. I haven't seen a movie there yet. We haven't been to a screening. All right, we're going to have to go because the music box, if you have not been to... While it is the most un- uncomfortable chairs you could possibly imagine, <laughs> bro, they have an organ player. Mm. The, it just looks beautiful, the architecture. And this is where they're having a lot of their opening night films. Uh, that is where they're having the block party, which is a thing that they started last year where they're shutting down the entire block. They're doing trivia. Uh, Dark cool. Matter Coffee is a big coffee place here. And they do a director's cut blend. 
Um, I didn't get the poster from last year, bro. That poster from last year for the Director's Cup blend was beautiful. But you'll be able to win prizes. They're going to be doing a bunch of stuff there. Uh, and a lot of the music box screenings are also where they're going to have a lot of uh, directors. We still don't have any actors, obviously, this year because of the strikes that's still going on. But they're going to be doing a lot of tributes. I personally am really looking forward to uh, Saltburn because she's going to be there. And Ooh, I'm, a big, I'm a big Fennel fan, and they're going to honor her there. So she's going to be doing a whole Q&A. So... Do yourself a favor. Check out a lot of these theaters. Uh, some of the other ones that I have that I'm looking out for is the Chicago History Museum. I've never been to their screening room, so that's going to be really interesting. And our Museum of Contemporary Art. So again, there's a lot of buses that are going around these, uh, but just know that AMC New City is going to be the main hub. I highly recommend Gene Siskel. And if you're in Chicago, you got to go to the Music Box. So you got a whole breakdown of the theaters there. But the most important part is the movies, right? Let's break down what the best movies are out here. Uh, the Boy and the Heron is already sold out. <laughs> Dream Scenario, I think, is already sold out. And even Monster, what I would consider probably the best one that I've seen outside of Chicago that I would highly recommend. All of these are top picks. If you can rush for those movies or if they add another screening, keep an eye out. Because there were a lot of movies in, at Toronto and at New York that they were mm -hmm. adding last minute. Like you saw yeah. four things and you came out and you're like, bro, this is really good. I wake up the next morning. They had poor things. You were really confused on um, memory. Now I get to be confused with you because they yeah, just announced it. Please help me figure it out. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to so many movies here. Sh is Chicago a festival that likes to announce uh, late added screenings or late added encore screenings? Because I know New York, they basically leave the last couple days a bunch of slots open and then announce like encore screenings of these four favorites. Come yeah. grab last minute tickets. They'll have a best of fest. Um, my only worry right now is that with with the new theater that they have, mm -hmm. <sighs> New City is like so much smaller, bro. Like you're talking what uh, was double the seats over at River East. Is, I, I feel like it's going to be a lot shorter. And so we'll see how that works. But uh, to wrap this up, let me go through my top 10 picks that I'm looking forward to here. Saltburn. Like I said, this is uh, screened at a couple of places, but if you wanted to see this movie with uh, Q&A with Emerald Fennel, I would highly recommend it. I've heard some really fantastic things about it. And you and I, you know, we're fans of her. We, we're, we're some of the... We're on that 50% half that likes that <laughs> the fact that she won the Oscar for it, while a lot of other people don't. Yeah. Um, All of Us Strangers, which you can attest because I believe you've seen it. Uh, a lot of our friends have said that this is one of the best... You've seen this already, right? Uh, I have, yeah. Okay, that this is one of the best of the year. You would agree? I'm I'm not as hot on it as a lot of other people, but like I don't know. I maybe I'm, I'm watching made of it in stone. a couple days. There was look, so there were so many tears, so much sniffling around me. Uh, and our, our boy Andres said this is his favorite film of the year so far. So yeah, look, may, maybe I'm in. I'm going to be on the wrong end of this one. Um, I didn't think it was bad at all. I thought it was good. I just didn't like have a revelation type of experience watching I, I didn't I just didn't cry I don't know maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm broken wherever you fall in it if you can yeah. catch it at a festival it's the best place because this is going to get a very limited theatrical I've been seeing the yeah. day 2024 float out so wherever you sat on it it's better for you to watch it and think it's okay than to not watch it and just be waiting for it so <laughs> I, I still have it in my top 10 yeah I think Devesh saw it at the London Film Festival and said it's really beautiful there you so. go That's, there we yeah. go Dope. Another one that I know you're about to catch in New York, uh, which I kind of snatched from the premiere that was going to be Chicago's yeah. The Killer. This one's going to be over at the Music Box, which is going to give it that very much eerie feeling for the screening. The new David Fincher movie starring Michael Fassbender. Very excited for that. Uh, May, December, which I know you also caught at New York. I'm very excited for this. Yes. Uh, this will be on Netflix right away, but 
I think they may have some sort of Q&A for this. Uh, I would definitely seek this out because you may not be able to see it in a theater unless you catch it at a festival. Mm. Anatomy of a Fall, which I know you were saying is really good. Yes. But you didn't think should have been Francis' pick. I mean, uh, look, will... they're both great. So I definitely see that one too. This is the one. I just need to see it already because I keep hearing yeah. so many people discuss this and the 50 cents of it all. I just need to know what it is. <laughs> this one sold out immediately. It is going to be on one of the opening nights. It does come out two weeks later, but like, damn, bro, the, the anticipation for this movie is high. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be my top five most anticipated, most anticipated, my most anticipated kind of lower tier ones that not many people know about. The Hypnosis. It's got my boy. Uh, I don't even know his name, dude. Is it Andre? There we go. From the worst person in the world, we had just seen him in another movie, and he's still not credited here. He was in... Um, Royal Hotel, right? Yeah, the Royal Hotel. Yeah. This man kills in every performance that he's in. He's in this movie called The Hypnosis that's also kind of supposed to be like a comedy. I, I, I can't wait to catch this one. Nice. Uh, another international submission is Sweet Dreams that I've been hearing some crazy... There's uh, some crazy things about. There was this one review that had called it like Wes Anderson, if it was like very absurd. I, the poster looks dope. I have it on my radar, <laughs> as well as these two over here. Portugal submitted two movies, Bad Living and Living Bad. <laughs> this reminds me of, uh, what's that, Jessica Chastain? Uh, the Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, Him and Her? Yes. Yes. But from the perspective of, I guess, the maids, and then the perspective of the people who are rich. One of these got submitted uh, or, or ended up becoming the official selection. Um, they are playing both of these back to back at the Gene Sisko. Very much looking forward to these. Uh, I just think it's a really interesting and cool concept. So uh, hopefully uh, I get to see this and people add it to the radar. And to wrap it up, my final one would be Departing Seniors, a Chicago owned. I remember my first, 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 first Chicago festival, bro. This was the short that she had released. I think it was at Chicago Critics. So to see her now have her feature, I think it's going to be really cool. I've been hearing really good stuff about this because uh, I think it's screened already at some other places, but it's going to be opening uh, opening night at the Music Box Theater. They're going to be having a whole party there. So those would be my top 10. Like I said, over on the A to Z show, we have all of the international picks if you wanted to see them. We have all of our most anticipated, but we just wanted to make a video kind of breaking down all of the stuff to look forward to if you are looking to visit the Chicago Festival. Because, you know, like Toronto, Sundance, New York, you got to hype up the city, you know. You don't Absolutely. become that big festival unless you start getting people from outside. I think mm-hmm. that's when it really becomes a, a big one. And I think the way that they continue to expand it would be really cool um, to just see more people from out of town come in. But what they need to bring back, dude, I want to go see a comedy show at the Chicago theater and mm-hmm. I walk in and I see a Chicago film festival banner from like the nineties. I walk in there when I tell you this thing mops the Paramount from South by, <laughs> Ooh, we have such a beautiful theater here and we used to hold screenings there. We need to bring that back. Chicago. We, we, need abs- that. we used to have real movie theaters. We used to have. Yeah. That was a night out at the movies. Um, better than that, uh, these are all the picks. If you all have any questions, if you're joining the festival, definitely hit us up here on this video. You yeah. can hit me up over at LME Movies. You can hit up Zach. Zach's still going to give you good movie advice because he's caught a lot of these. Uh, obviously, our letterboxes will be below so you can catch some of the movies as we're catching them in real time and even some of the stuff that we've already logged before. So if you're interested in joining the Chicago Festival, hit us up with any of your yeah. thoughts. And don't forget to pick up a very juicy beef. <laughs> uh, I'll throw out a couple other just quick uh, shout outs because 
like uh, Chicago, there's some festivals closer to my mm-hmm. area that are getting started soon as well. The Montclair Film Festival, Montclair, New Jersey, always gets a pretty cool selection. They're having a tribute to Martin Scorsese, hosted by Stephen Colbert this week, uh, as well as some films that we liked from Toronto, including Dream Scenario, Holdovers, May, December, a whole bunch of really good films. They, they get great stuff over at Montclair. And then uh, also down in Philly, the Philadelphia Film Festival is later in October. And tickets, I believe, go on sale for that one tomorrow. So uh, not too late to get in pretty early and catch some of the most exciting releases of the next few months uh, if you happen to be in those areas. Yeah, I, I got to do Philly. I've done Philly, but I haven't done Philly. It was yeah, the, virtual, the virtual year, you know? Yeah. It don't count. Um, but again, that's another one where you mentioned those two, and I know you've been to Montclair. I know you've even worked uh, on some stuff in Montclair. Yeah. It's like the theaters that make it. You know, every single festival that we cover here on Intercut, what, like what we end up bringing back is, you know, the the memories, the feeling. Every single festival has its own little vibe. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, again, even with these festivals that we're talking about here, shout out your favorite festival down below because like you said, um, what Connor had his that was playing a lot of the really Charlotte big movies. Film Festival, and you I think, think you yeah. Need, yeah, you think you need to make it out to New York or Toronto. You don't have to cross borders. Chances are you may have your St. Louis Festival or the New Orleans Festival, the Atlanta Festival, a lot of these really big festivals uh, for your hometown that would be hosting a lot of these movies. So it's just about uh, checking them out. So really good picks there. So if you have anything that you recommend, let us know down below. But other than that, Zach, it's time to give a shout out to the inner cutie patrons who allow us to go to these festivals to begin with. Absolutely. Uh, The biggest shout out that we can to those wonderful people who support our show, the inner cuties. Um, Man, I thought I had my my stuff all set up and now I don't see it. Give me just a quick second to get their wonderful names all on the screen uh, because we appreciate them supporting us over at Patreon.com slash intercut pod. Where for as they change the logo, I did. How do you feel about that new Patreon logo? You know, they reprimanded us early on when they told us, if you're going to change it to that little coin, which I didn't even realize, bro, it's the, the middle one, the one that we just had, was a coin mm-hmm. going in. It's kind of clever. Yeah, it's like a it token. makes sense. It makes sense, and it's still like a P. Now, they've gone artsy. <laughs> yeah, it's some weird abstract thing. I mean, I, sometimes I feel like these companies just change their logos because they just get to too change bored. Them? And they, they would have been better off just leaving things familiar. I don't know. Y- you know that intro logo for the co- the film company Path, Pathé or Path, yeah. whatever it is? Yeah. It looks like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Either way, whichever logo it is, we appreciate y'all who support us over there. Yes. Uh, shout out to the Academy level members who are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Josh, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji. And of course, the biggest thanks goes to those producer level patrons, Udenvir and Toon. Uh, oh, shout out to yep. all of y'all. Thanks for joining us on the last patron hang. We got another patron hang coming up later this month. I don't know if you got time next week or we got to do it the week after. Uh, Might have but, to be the week after, yeah. Yeah, but maybe it'll be like our, a Halloween-themed patron hang. We can all Everyone show up in dressed. costume or something. We'll come up. <laughs> we'll, we'll come in as the inter, Intercut Podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> we got a reliable costume. Yeah, but uh, it's but always yeah. fun. You know, last time we got to, to catch up with Toon and we were saying some crazy stories, sharing some crazy videos that we're not expecting. <laughs> um, but we also get good recommendations, and that's the best part. It's like sometimes we get them in the comments, but having that one-on-one, it's always the best part. 
Definitely. So it's a, a fun thing that we get to do with the patrons and you can join us too for as little as $1 a month. You also get access to uh, some early looks at intercut episodes, including the Scorsese Tober videos. Uh, we uploaded the last one early for patrons and we'll be continuing that this week with our look ahead uh, to uh, what is it? King of Comedy and After Hours this week. Yep. Very exciting week on Scorsese Tober. Uh, we are doing these throughout the month, and if y'all enjoy them, we'll continue it into future months. A little, our own little intercut film club, a chance for y'all to catch up on a movie, an older movie, and watch it along with us. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun exercise for us to get to look at some classic films or relook at some classic films. Yeah, it's also a good way because I know originally we were like, let's do a Scorsese bracket. We looked at that IMDb. We said, let's do a Scorsese. That's pretty long. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit easier than watching all 32 or whatever uh, uh, yeah. for a bracket. But yeah, uh, we had a lot of fun talking about The Wolf of Wall Street last week. And we'll be letting patrons get an early look at our After Hours and King of Comedy rewatch this week. Not too late to watch those films or watch Last Temptation of Christ in Silence and join us next week. But again, uh, you can find more info on all of that over at patreon.com slash intercut pod. Beautiful. Let's get into the picks of the week. All Let's of the good it. stuff that we have on the horizon that's coming yeah. out that we think should be on your list. Starting off with my top five, I've got a series for Spookytober, you know. Mm-hmm. I, there's only one King doll out there, in my opinion. You could keep your Annabelle and everybody else the only person who really matters. It's Chucky, dude. And Chucky has come back with his third season. I've been seeing the advertisements because I'm still on one. But I've been seeing that they've been like, (laughs) he's like running for president or something. I like this because if you follow the Chucky lore, which I know you probably have, Zach. Oh, uh, intensely. It's split. There's the Mancini ones that is the original guy who is no longer making the movies because of some lawsuits. And that's why they did the Aubrey Plaza one. Don't Mm -hmm. hate that one, but it's a little different. He's continued his lore from the original Child's Play to everything else through this Chucky series. And it's kind of cool because I think he lost a Child's Play name. But, like, some people called it Chucky, so now he gets to go full Chucky. So, yeah, um, uh, I'm finishing up the first season, uh, and I'm going to be watching seasons two to three. That's going to be my, my spooky stuff to watch because, yeah. Look, Exorcist, Saw, those are great, but I need some laughs. And only one person's giving you laughs, and that's Chucky. So Chucky (laughs) Season 3 over on Peacock. I think it's a sci-fi show, but they post it up over there. uh, And they've been doing a good job putting it episode per episode. Over on Movie, I have a selection called Passages that we caught early at Sundance. It had a little bit of a limited release in some art house theaters. I think it has some outstanding performances. Ben Wishaw is always great, right? Mm -hmm. We love Adele. She is fantastic. Yeah. But you know it's my boy Franz, dude. He's got a new one at Chicago that I'm going to be catching. It's called Lubo. I don't even know where I'm going to fit it, but I'm going to, like in this this movie, I'm going to find a way to get it in there. This movie is like the worst possible person you can follow who's always making mistakes, and it just, you don't like them, but you can't help but be enticed with all of the mistakes that they're making. Really good performances all around. You can catch it on movie if you're interested. Uh, another one that is in limited release right now, and I think we're kind of split on it. I came prepped when I saw this in Toronto because I know that Kitty Green has a specific style. 
And I personally think she's a feminist kind of troll. I think she knows how to play with a script. And I was kind of in for it this, for, for this one. It is about two girls, or two women, sorry, two women who go to get a job that is like you vacation, but you also get paid for being able to travel in certain places. And they go to a place known as a Royal Hotel where they're serving a bunch of minors. And it gets very rowdy. And this is like implication the movie. I know a lot of people are going to think it's edging too far on like, it being a thriller and it going all the way. That kind of worked for me. It may not work for others. So it may be a rent it for a majority of people. I definitely think I would recommend it as a rent it. But if it's playing at a theater near you, you got the time to watch it. I think they had some good good sound design, good performances, uh, and really good cinematography because they get yeah. really good shots within that tight location of the bar. Totally. I would say there's a lot of like really great scenes in this movie. I, I don't know if I liked as much as argue. you what yeah. it added up to but yes. there's moments for sure like you could come out hating this movie and i'm not gonna tell you like yeah <laughs> i i disagree with you i can see why people do not like it but uh i don't know it kind of worked for me the thrilling aspect of it yeah. um so catch that one if you're interested the next one that i have and i didn't even link it over here but we've got a new mike flanagan dude the yeah. fall of usher they sent me a couple of these episodes so i've had the chance to Catch the first three, oh, cool. and he's still cooking, dude. Uh, this is an adaptation of the Edgar Allan Poe story, and it's succession, man. This is a family <laughs> who runs pharmaceuticals. They have some, like, creepy, weird horror backstory as well, but it turns out that this pharmaceutical company has been taken to court, and someone in the family, because this is a massive, like, succession-type family, is a mole, a snitch, and they're trying to figure out who it is, but they may all be dead before they can figure out who it is. Look, I think he's knocking on all cylinders. I'm not on that second half where I've heard that uh, my girl Carla Cugino kills it. Uh, they've been teasing her. She's popped up uh, a little bit here and there. I don't think he's been this good since Hill House. Oh, okay. I like Roy Manor. Yeah. But I don't think he's been this good since Hill House. So big recommendation for me on this. It comes Very out, cool. I think, completely on Netflix October 12th, as you can see right there. So mm -hmm. uh, definitely put this one on your radar. Uh, yeah. No, this is going to be a fantastic one. The Fall yeah. of Usher over on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed these Mike Flanagan next Netflix shows. You know, I, uh, like you were saying, I'm not always like quick to jump on horror, but I think he he has enough going on in these both in terms of the visuals, in terms of the the ideas that he's playing with with those characters, with the themes of it. it he, there's just really enough meat on the bone there that I I, I find myself really drawn to those yeah. stories. Uh, and if you're telling me it's as good as those early ones, man, I'm I'm. I'm really excited. I'm glad. I've been wanting to hit like this for a minute, and he's doing it. My final pick is going to be the festival recommendation. We just made a little video about it, but it would be our Chicago picks for the Chicago International Film Festival. It is beginning literally two days from now. So uh, if you're in the Chicago area, you know, hit us up for any advice, tips, tricks, all that good stuff on Letterboxd. If you follow the show, you already know what movies you should have on your watch list. Uh, so I definitely got to put the whole festival as a whole here uh, with all of our links up in terms of uh, our must-watch picks over on the show.com. But again, you probably know our picks from here or over on Letterboxd. So a uh, big shout-out to that festival. It is my final pick for the week. Zach, though, has those picks. 
I do. I've got five picks of my own stuff to watch this weekend. I'm starting out with Anatomy of a Fall, uh, because whether or not this is playing at a festival near you, it is starting its American release. I know it's going to be in theaters, at least in New York and L.A. this weekend, mm-hmm. which means it'll only start to roll out from there. I saw it over on on my A-list app, so it's even going to be in some of the big theaters, hopefully. Uh, yeah. it, it is certainly going to be one of the in- most interesting movies of the year, Sandra Cooler in particular is giving a, a fantastic performance. This is a movie that just like rides the line of what, like what side are you on? Is this, did this happen or did this not happen? And it, it walks that tightrope for a full two hours masterfully. So I got one uh, question. Yeah. Is she better in this or in zone of interest? So I think she has more to do in this film than in zone of interest. Okay. She's, she's more of a supporting character and she's fully the lead here uh, in anatomy of a fall. I'm but so Sandra Ruler Having quite a year in anatomy of a fall is uh, I'm so the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I think you're going to really enjoy that one. Uh, let's also talk a little bit about the mission. I, I, my eyes keep skirting over this one because we saw a documentary at Sundance called The Mission that we are not yes, we did. particularly big fans of. Uh, but this is a separate documentary, and this one is directed by none other, th- co-directed, I should say, by Jesse Moss, who <gasps> is behind Boy State, along with Amanda McBain, uh, who did Boy State. Also- <laughs> yeah. This uh, was a Telluride pick. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is a, a new documentary that takes a look at the life of uh, American um, Christian missionary John Chow, who tried to contact some indigenous people in, on a mission and ended up murdered uh, as a result of it. And I just feel like you get documentarians as talented as uh, as Jesse Moss and Amanda McBain behind it, that they're going to tell the story in a really compelling way. You know, we were gigantic fans of Boys State. And as you yeah. mentioned, that Telluride Film Fest approval is pretty significant. It's pretty big they, for me, yeah. Yeah, they, they tend to only put pretty solid movies there. So yeah. uh, I'm very curious about this documentary. I see it's limited for y'all. You're probably going to get it because you're in New York. Uh, yeah. This will be a Chicago. So that limited release week for you guys is going to end up being the festival week for us over here. Yeah, whether or not it's near you right now or it will be soon, it's one that you have to start paying attention to, keeping your eye out for, because it might roll out whether it is to a film festival or a theater near you soon. Uh, I think the same can be said for Fantastic Machine, or if we want to go by its uh, full Sundance title, and The King Said, What a Fantastic Machine. I think you and I were both really taken with this documentary out of Sundance, which combines a lot of archival footage, viral videos, live streams, and sorts uh, uh, sorts of stuff into a really interesting essay on, like, life in modern times where things are... uh, hyper documented and and the uh the fallout and consequences of that uh it's certainly like a wide-ranging topic and it it touches on a lot of different ideas but i think for people like us who you know not only watch a lot of digital content but produce some of our own it's a like a fascinating uh fascinating movie I liked it a lot. Yeah, this was one of the ones that I made it all the way up to the Egyptian theater to see. Uh, They had a really cool Q&A. Plus, produced by uh, our boy, Ruben Oslin, who did uh, Triangle Sadness and uh, Force Majeure. There you go. Uh, Another film that is going to be out, uh, but more readily available. It's on VOD. Uh, Where it should be. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's down low, which, look, this was one of the movies at South by Southwest that was maybe flying a little bit under the radar, but when you and I caught it, we kind of loved this one. Yes, we did. It is, it is a raunchy, ridiculous, wacky, but somehow sincere, moving, beautiful do- uh, uh, comedy starring Zachary Quinto and notably Lucas Gage, who is absolutely hysterical in this film. Like, if you weren't a fan of Lucas Gage coming in, you absolutely will be coming out of this movie. Uh, they are so funny opposite each other as a... Uh, a deeply repressed, newly open gay man and a and a, a man he hires to service him uh, be bond and <laughs> bond and go through all sorts of debaucherous activities together over the course of a crazy day. Uh, Simon Rex shows up and is really hilarious. There's the, a sequence set to uh, the, there's like a music video sequence that mm-hmm. had us singing the song for like weeks after that. Might, this day, bro. That song might still be in my playlist. Yeah. Yes. Um, and look, like not to spoil things, but there, the movie made me cry. And yeah. for for a vulgar, ridiculous comedy like this to actually get emotion out of me, it must yeah. be doing something right. There's some really good stuff here. And to give you the warning, this was probably one of the most walked out movies yes. at South by. So it will it be really too much for it. a lot of people. Yeah, but it's because of how crazy it gets that when it breaks through to the to the other side, which is really the themes of this movie. Damn, was it worth it for us? Some of you may check out, so it's perfect that it's going to be at home. <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious to see if anybody bothers catching up with Down Low, because I, I want to what, rewatch that. I want to rewatch game. it, too. Yeah. Um, and, then my, <laughs> and then my last recommendation uh, in the picks for the week is a bit of a throwback. Uh, we were talking before about Alexander Payne, uh, because The Holdovers, his new movie, which I think you'll be catching at Chicago, uh, okay. is one of his best films in a long while, and I, I heard you say that you hadn't seen Citizen Ruth, which is one of my favorites of his. It What's is about? available to stream over on Paramount+. Plus. It's a really interesting film starring Laura Dern. Uh, she's a young woman who gets pregnant and then sort of ends up at the center of the debate on abortion, just kind of being manipulated to either side of it uh, for, for selfish gains. And it's the kind of like... <laughs> the kind of like wry, uncomfortable, but truthful comedy that I think Alexander Payne is so good at directing. Uh, and this is like an air text because this was one of his first films. Laura Dern also oh, nice. just okay. absolutely incredible in it. Uh, but yeah, it's available to stream on Paramount Plus, And I think it's it's an overlooked but incredible political comedy. All right. I always like a nice little throwback movie, so running it back. Yeah. I got my Chucky series over on Peacock, which is starting at season three. I think it's still delivering on all the Chucky kills and laughs and gore that they bring in there. Passages over on movie, I think, is a perfect, horrible person, like worst person in the world type movie where you're following somebody uh, played by one of the best actors, I believe, that we have right now in France. Uh, I also have The Royal Hotel. We're kind of split on it here on the podcast, but hey, ain't that the beauty of movies? Even if you wait for it for when it's on rental, I'd highly check out this thriller um, that teases you too much. Uh, the next one is The Fall of Usher. I'm giving this my full recommendation here. All the episodes are going to be out on Netflix, and it is Flanagan back at it with all of his people, bro. He's, like, just so comfortable with his entire cast. Uh, and then, of course, the Chicago International Film Festival with all of our picks. We got our video. We got our letterboxes. Everything you need to know about that. Zach? 
Yeah, my picks for this week include Anatomy of a Fall, the Did She, Didn't She Do It French courtroom drama of the year, Uh, The Mission, a very intriguing uh, documentary that comes from the directors of Boy State, Fantastic Machine, a look at video in the modern age that was one of our favorite documentaries at a Sundance, Down Low, an absolutely debaucherous hilarious comedy starring Zachary Quinto and Lucas Gage. And finally, uh, Citizen Ruth, which is streaming on Paramount plus the Alexander Payne political comedy classic starring Laura Dern. Uh, and also, I guess we can shout out Montclair Film Fest and Philly, Philly Film Fest as well. Whatever is your really? local film fest, you know, go watch movies. But those are all of our picks for this week. Beautiful. That's pretty much everything for the show as well. You know, I have no recommendations for you to go see Exorcist Believer, but at least we have some film festival stuff. We've got some good stuff coming out uh, online in streaming. But other than that, you can follow me over at LME Movies on Twitter, on Instagram, definitely on Letterboxd. I'm, I've been trying to log my stuff in due time. I know sometimes I'll, I'll spaz out and just log like a dozen <laughs> from South by, but I'm trying to keep, now that I'm all caught up, right? I'm trying go. to make it on a, on a daily yeah. basis. It's just so. a matter of like getting Getting yourself caught up, and then you can like clean then, it up from yeah. there. Yeah, you know, not everyone's a sickle like us. Who are, you know, <laughs> have, like, sixty sickos. movies <laughs> in the what's back. Your, so. What's your rate? Are you watching like ten movies a week? What's your uh, letterbox stats right 10 now? Ten movies a day, baby. Which <laughs> yeah, I like. How I was like, I, I'll do these big dumps of like several dozen movies, and I'm going to reel it back to just six movies a day from now on, Zach. <laughs> uh, but at least you know. It, it's it's to the timing of the festivals, not all late yeah. about it. But you can follow me there. Zach, where, they, where can they catch more from you? Uh, you can catch more from me on whatever social media you fancy, at ZShevich, and find more videos from me at Multiplex Show on YouTube or TikTok. Beautiful. You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. But you can watch the live show every week here. Big shout out to the chat, to Devesh, to Josh, everybody who was watching here. I know sometimes you guys watch in the future. We appreciate that down below in the comments as well. Yeah, let Uh, us know. Yeah, big shout out to all the inner cuties who listen live and all of the patrons who we were just mentioning for all of the hangouts and also our Scorsese-tober bracket that we've got going on. Or not bracket. I was already there <laughs> trying to compare the two. But the Scorsese little film club that we're doing, uh, our next two movies, like we mentioned, are going to be After Hours and The King of Comedy. I am literally so fresh off of these movies. So this is like the first time I'll ever be talking about them. So it's going to be very exciting. Definitely let us know your thoughts down below in the comments. Um, Again, big shout out to all the people who go to iTunes and leave us that five-star review because that helps us with being able to get more access to screeners, to festivals, to all that good stuff. Don't forget to leave us a comment. Drop a like. Follow the socials over on Intercut. Check out the Intercut Clips channel, the Intercuts, where we got all of our little bits in case you don't remember when we covered a movie really quick and we didn't make like an after credits. All of the clips, especially from the beginning of the episode, are all put there. All of our festival stuff is chopped up there. So it's a nice little way to be able to get uh, a reminder on any of our quick thoughts from all the movies that we catch. Because, like we just said, we we watch too much, bro. Like, (laughs) we went from, like, single digits to double digits. We got to reel it back, man. One of these festivals is going to come out with a big 1-0. (laughs) 1-0-0. Yeah, I mean, look, the only thing... The only thing stopping us from watching like every single film at these festivals is timing. If they just want to increase the length of Sundance, we'll be there for every single one. Nah, give me half the time. I'll still watch them. I just need access. <laughs> give me that access. I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, again, thank you for watching the show. And until next time, don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. And I'll see you at the fest. <laughs>